0: So I I kind of, I reconvened with myself and said, okay, well, if there's one thing I do know, it's this neighborhood, you know, that I've spent the better part of 20 years living in. And I was like, okay, I think this is like a good place for me to start, you know, just talk about what it's like to simply live here. That was filmmaker Joey Yee,
1: aka Uncle Fuzz. I'm Jeff. And this is Storied San Francisco. This is episode 14, part 2. Joey picks up where he left off in part 1, telling us about his life after high school. It involves video contests, jobs in some interesting places, a career detour, and his tapping into his love of his hometown and expressing that love through his art. Here's Joey.
0: I knew that I wanted to go to SF State at yeah. the time. I think my parents maybe wanted to push me to try and apply for other si- other schools, but I was like, no, I know that they have a great program here. Yeah. And like I don't want to leave the city. Don't like I didn't leave. know it at the time that I would <laughs> eventually stay here for the you know, so far throughout the rest of the not remainder, but like
1: Just say you yeah. Yeah. That you would stay. You didn't know. Yeah. yeah. no no crystal ball yeah i I
0: had no idea but i i I knew in myself that like i wanted to to do this right and i think it was like maybe my best opportunity because i was not uh, as far as academics go i was not like a, a grade a student or maybe even b oh okay um but but i think it's one of those
1: things like as i'm older and i look about how or i look back at like how schools are structured it's like you probably just weren't interested in that stuff. Yeah, I would, I would right? definitely say that. And and you can't expect kids to just be good at stuff that they're not interested mm-hmm. in. I don't know.
0: But I knew that I was good at this. Yeah. I knew that I wanted to pursue it in some way. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I ended up going to SF State from 2005 to 2010.
1: Okay, and you went in being like, I'm going to be a video major. Yeah. So, so. And you did
0: it. I did.
1: That's rare. Really? Well, for, for a kid did you go straight out of high school straight to yeah straight into to yeah i think that's rare to like know exactly what you want to do start it declare that major and then boom and you finish like you know yeah but i love it it's like you just you knew
0: but yeah i i feel like i knew but the first year i was there i was like okay i can't take any classes yet you know i have to get my g first right 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 but there are plenty of clubs and and people that i can maybe talk to in Mm. order to kind of familiarize myself with the community
1: like AV clubs that kind of thing yeah Yeah. and
0: and i did that i remember going in into the cinema collective san francisco state cinema collective okay i think the first month i was there and i was I, i walked in and i like talked to some people actually i don't know if i even talked to anyone but I kind of saw, like, how everyone was, mm-hmm. and I was like, I don't know if this is actually for me. Oh, okay, so you had a moment. That's good. Testing your... Yeah. yeah. And, and and I think it was because San Francisco, when it comes to, to cinema, because they don't teach video production. They teach cinema production, mm. which is very heavily ingrained in how movies were made. Right. Like, they didn't have... They don't have... I'm sure it's different now, but back in 2005, I, they didn't have, like, a digital... Video like how to make things for online content, right? It was all just super old-school. This is how you make film This is how you shoot on film. This is how you process film, right? And so when I was when I when I walked into that club, I really felt like I was just out of my element Mm. like if I, I told myself if this is what it takes in order to Be successful in this industry. I don't know if I can do it. Okay. It's like I have to all of a sudden care about, like, you know, these old <laughs> Italian films from the 40s or like right. just stuff that really at the time didn't, like, it didn't strike me in any way. Got it. Like, I think it kind of goes back to like my attention span <laughs> as far as games go because there's these beautiful games, like, epic narratives that people like love and cherish over the decades. And I'm just like, give me a pinball machine or give me like something quick to play. Right. And this kind of felt the same. This kind of felt like the same thing where i'm like i love a very specific type of of movie and film and and way to to make them Mm -hmm. but that's not what everyone else values in at this school um what about your time at sf state changed then i i think i think it was when i started to distance myself from from that sort of uh
1: like as you That's started good. actually taking, yeah as you started taking as because you, you said your like your first year especially you weren't mm-hmm. taking video classes like when, once you did start taking video classes was there like more room to do stuff that wasn't movies
0: absolutely like okay. but that didn't happen actually until my senior year oh okay <laughs> because a lot of the prerequisites at the time for the cinema production major uh it was a lot of you know lectures there was a lot of sitting in lecture halls watching a movie, mm. discussing it, mm-hmm. writing a paper about it. Um, but during my senior year, there was actual hands-on stuff. There was a screenwriting class, which I really enjoyed. Um, and there was a directing class that I took, which actually got people hands-on experience working with an entire crew. Because everybody in the class took a part in, in making something. Played a role in the production. Yeah, so yeah, you're yeah. either script supervisor, you were assistant camera, you were a set dresser, you're a prop maker. Everybody, like, rotated roles every single week. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you really got to know how things were made. Did you have a favorite role? Or was it editing? I don't think so. Because, well, everyone was able to edit their own projects. Oh, got it. Okay. Um, but as far as the production goes, I think I think I really liked building. Okay. <laughs> because we, we had... You like know, to, sets and props? Yeah, the set and... building. yeah, yeah okay. I think that was, like, the most enjoyable part when I wasn't actually directing my own thing.
1: Well, that goes back to your love of things together, yeah I know. Right? yeah
0: um, but aside from like making my own stuff like that class really kind of set off my career in a way just because I met people there mm. who eventually would help me and like we would have this you know uh, symbiotic relationship mm-hmm. in working on projects after we graduated okay and and to be honest I think that is the most important thing that I took away from being at State is the people that you meet there? The I think people say that a lot about every single like. I don't think it's just cinema major mm-hmm. that gets that. I'm sure they all do, but it really helped here because film is is such uh, a communal mm-hmm. industry. Mm-hmm. Like you cannot. It's at least for a while it was so hard for people to succeed if you didn't know anybody right. or didn't talk to anybody, right. which is kind of what I enjoyed doing. I like. I loved working solo. Mm-hmm. Um, so it took a lot to like get me out onto sets like working as like a production assistant or something mm-hmm. um but it was because that like i knew these people that could assist me in that right that really like jump-started it okay so now you've graduated mm-hmm. and what's going on then you said 2010 you graduated so i graduated in 2010. okay um this is when my life kind of took like a strange uh detour for a little bit all right we love strange um, detours because oh I had one question Oh yeah, uh, sure.
1: real quick going back when you went to state those roughly four, four, five, four years, five years um, did you where did you live
0: I uh, lived at home okay uh, l- out so, here in the Richmond out here in the Richmond okay. so like you know we would carpool every day with like my one of my friends who also he lived like a block away from me like his dad would sometimes drive with Sarah or and we we would also take like the the 29 bus mm-hmm. to there and back it was like super relaxing mm-hmm. to, like when I think back about it, on it uh, because it doesn't do it anymore, but the 29 going from state to the Richmond used to go around Lake Merced. Okay. And that was like a super long, just like you, you would you would you would see Lake Merced, you would see the ocean, you would go through the entire sunset, mm-hmm. wind wind up around. Um, actually, right around here.
1: Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it comes over here. I just wanted to get that out of the way. Um, then okay, so now now you graduated
0: detour detour so graduating 2010 may um during the rest of the year i I was kind of working on like other like playing minor roles on on sets like Mm -hmm. i I worked on a couple music videos with some friends worked as like a script supervisor for like the short film berkeley um
1: getting paid or (laughs) you're i think you you can laugh I,
0: (laughs) i think one of them was paid okay
1: it didn't matter. Uh, you were just getting experience. I was just
0: like, just tell me what to do. Like, right. I don't know anything about this industry despite right. going to school for it. Right. But let me know where I can help. Okay. Got it. Um, and then in August, uh, or actually during the summer of, of, of 2010, there was there was a contest run by uh, Justin Lin, mm-hmm. uh, who is the director of like a couple of Fast and the Furious movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was starting a new website. Uh, called you offend me you offend my family.com okay. based on the Bruce Lee quote. Right. Um, and it was this this website and kind of like this movement to help lift up Asian voices in in the arts. Awesome. And and one of their their contests that they had was this anyone can enter, make a short film using these four lines. Okay. And it was just like a short prompt. Um, and I was like shoot it's free, like I guess I'll just try to do it. Because um, like I had a camera at the time and I wanted to make something, and so I, I sent in my film, knowing that there were about two hundred to three hundred other people. Yeah, you're like I'll do it. this. Like I'll just but... send it out, kind of forget about it. Yeah. because um, you know you can see all the entries that come in. You're like, okay, mm. this is clearly. You have can high... watch them. Yeah. Oh, what? okay. So a lot of them had clearly had a larger production budget than I did. Right. Because I was just shooting in the, uh, on a playground like half an afternoon with one camera okay um but then come october they emailed me and said like hey we we picked your film as one of the finalists for for this contest would you be able to come down to san diego to the asian film festival my god and like join us with like yeah i was like i read i remember waking up in the morning reading that email and i'm like is this what right it feels like I, I, think a joke. I, I think i rolled over just fell asleep and i was like i'll deal with this later it felt like a prank but yeah like we we went down my family and i went down to san diego awesome we attended or i attended like a gala event which I, i'm i like 22 years old i don't know what a gala is right. what i'm supposed to be doing there right. people were carding me because they you know serve alcohol there and they're yeah. like are you sure he's old enough to drink <laughs> right um but yeah, like I met a lot of really cool people, like people who I didn't know at the time, but eventually did, such as uh, Danny Pudi, mm-hmm. who's the actor for yes. In Community. Yeah. Like I didn't know who he was when I first met him uh, at that at that event, but I'm like, oh, okay, because he, he he was also somebody who had been uh, commissioned to make like a short film for that contest, as like an example. Okay. Um. yeah so uh, there were some gals and then there was like a panel that i got to be on which was really cool um i kind of (laughs) i think my dad always likes mentioning how when they interviewed all the other contestants i think there were three other finalists who attended the panel with me Mm -hmm. one of the questions that they asked us was you know what was your budget what was it like uh you know handling this on the production scale and Mm -hmm. everyone kind of went through like how much they spent like hiring actors and everything and when it came to me i was like yeah i didn't do any of that (laughs) i just like decided to my friends hey just come over to the park we're gonna shoot something and i'll buy you some beer afterwards or something yeah
1: (laughs) how much does six six packs
0: yeah so i I mean from an audience standpoint and maybe they could see that there was like (laughs) just a, a very big difference between like a lot of the people who uh who made these films? And 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 you you see that all over the place nowadays too. Because right. you can make a professional film, you can make anything you want basically on your own, like and have it be, you know, just look great. Because the equipment is so advanced yeah. and cheaper now, yeah.
1: all right? That's that is part of it, I think. But also, I think that lets more people in and more people. Can yeah, like it lowers the
0: that. the bar, the right. it lowers the barrier to entry and right. allows people to to make things that before were just impossible
1: right so you're at this gala in san diego did you have especially in hindsight did you have like a feeling of i made it this is fucking awesome i
0: think in a way i did yeah and i think that's what kind of allowed me to take a detour i haven't even got to the detour okay yet. okay um but you know i think by now people have people can tell like i'm not somebody who's like super just let's go do it and think something like that yeah i'm someone who's like okay just stays pretty chill and slightly more chill than yeah so like i think when when i came into that sort of success it made me feel like great they're gonna people can come to me and and ask me to work now that like they know who i am right because i think one of the the uh the benefits of being part of that contest was that oh we would we'll have you on for like the next round next time we do do something and i was Mm -hmm. like sounds great Mm -hmm. uh unfortunately they didn't do that but i was like i was just waiting i was like okay any moment now that somebody's gonna talk to me and say like i have something for you but that never came okay and so fast forward to january of 2011 okay uh My aunt, aunt who who used to work at UCSF, she recommended that I get a job, (laughs) because I wasn't working at the time, Mm -hmm. but she recommended a a program for sleep technologists. Okay. And so if you haven't seen the sleep technologists, but have seen um, Nightmare on Elm Street, Mm -hmm. uh, it's, (laughs) it's where they basically hook up electrodes to your head to monitor your brain activity while you sleep. Sleep study. Yeah, sleep study. Yes. Um... And so she recommended that she knew that I loved sleeping late, mm-hmm. uh, and it was just a, a huge night owl, always mm-hmm. have been. Mm-hmm. That I just take this course, you know, okay. it's it's a two week course. You'll learn everything you need to know, find a job, and then you'll be good for the rest of your life or something like that. Okay. And I was like, sure, I'll do it. And and by March, I was hooking people up to electrodes.
1: Oh shit! You got the job. <laughs> I got
0: I got a job okay. uh, at a local uh, Bay Area clinic that you know has stations around around like all over san francisco all over oakland mm-hmm. alameda and i was like this is really weird yeah <laughs> never would have expected me expected my path to go into healthcare at all right but i was like sure i'll do this for a little bit to see how i like it i think the main thing the main draw for me was the schedule actually even though that ended up being like quite a burden but it was uh three 12-hour shifts every week okay from 7 a.m to seven 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. Wow. Okay. Um, and I figured, okay, I'll work three three days a week. The other four days, I get off. I can try to rotate my schedule back to uh, non-vampire. Right. Uh, and then I'll be good. I can hang out with my friends on the weekends. Hmm. Um, I'll be fine. It wasn't as easy as it sounds. Right. because um, like with the combination of like trying to get blackout curtains to to do this and like, yeah, it was it was it was tough, but. At the same time, it's also the job that I've held the longest. I did. You still o- do this now? No, I don't. I oh, okay. don't. But, like, overall, it, like, I spent more time there at any other job than any other job since. Okay. Um, and I was there for three and a half years trying to make, you know, that work alongside any sort of projects that I have um, during my four days off. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and, and I actually did. Like, I worked on a lot of stuff for, I think it was around 2012 or 2013. And I was like, maybe I'll try to, like... YouTube, you know, right? Just just try it out, like. And I got a couple buddies together, and we we did like gaming videos. You know, start start our own channel. Um, try to put as much effort into it as we could. We got up to three hundred subscribers, nice. which we thought at the time was an amazing achievement. Which, hey, it is. It's more hard than to, zero. It's, is, hard to it's, also... it's hard to get a hundred. It's <laughs> hard to get right. fifty. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, and and and, I think at the time. I, I kind of knew that I wanted to continue in this path. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted to keep making videos. I wanted to, you know, I don't want to be a sleep tech for right. the rest of my life. Cause I know that's just going to be damaging when I'm like 50 and still right. waking up at at 5 PM and going to work all night.
1: Like, let's make that just a story. A
0: one, yeah. One let's little just part make of that like that fun thing that I can <laughs> talk about and laugh about. Right. Um, but you know, I, I'm, I'm still like chugging away at the same time, chugging away at, At video stuff on my own um, until 2014, when one of my friends from college calls me and he was like, "Hey, are you still looking for an editing job?" Mm -hmm. I'm like, "Yeah, sure." Only the only thing is that he worked at the uh, SF Armory at the time. Oh, okay. Which, if you don't know, is uh, the headquarters of Kink.com. It was the headquarters. It was the headquarters of uh, Kink.com. Our local adult film production company yes and I was like because I've been friends with him for like you know at that point seven years I'm like sure let's do it okay <laughs> um, and so he like got me the interview and I worked there as so you a, worked at kink I worked at kink so for how long I worked there for about a year and a half okay and I was doing their affiliate marketing um, which means that I don't deal with any of the stuff that they produce in-house okay it's uh, it was you know, mainly dealing with external third-party stuff. Okay. So I will say it's it was, it was still porn. Yeah. Okay. Still is. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is which is kind of a bummer because I know that at Kink, if you haven't you know been on one, if you weren't able to go on one of their tours that they have, like you'll know that they they put a lot of effort into like into making it a very, like, safe and very structured. Like, the, the production there is, like, essentially just like any other major, like, film production. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think for a lot of people might be surprising because, you know, when it comes to porn, people don't really think about how it's made. Right. right. <laughs> um, but, like, you can really tell that there is, like, you know, effort being put and, and the people that make it, like, really do love it. And, mm-hmm. it, I, you know, it's it's funny to say and look back on that that kind of that experience kind of opened my eyes to an industry that people really do take for granted. Right. Um, and it's like, yeah, you can you can laugh at it, but it's it's an industry where people like put their heart and soul into it. They they have entire careers built on this. Mm-hmm. They've. People do it because they love it. And mm-hmm. I think that was like the main takeaway from working there, even though like I was only there for about a year and a half. Okay. Um, but eventually, like I did leave uh, and join CBS Interactive Okay. Uh, for their games division. Wow. And all, so,
1: I feel like now this is like all of your interests. Are yeah, they're all kind of together. coalescing. Right. Yeah.
0: Um, and yeah, I was hired on to work on their, their gameplay videos, mm-hmm. which is just like, you know, recording gameplay footage of whatever game and then editing it in any way they see fit right um and i was there for about close almost three years okay and i think that was the the place where i really kind of hit my stride and really learned way more than i imagine because um, you know working with gameplay footage you 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 kind of don't get a lot of hands-on production experience but I was able to, to work with a lot of my supervisors, and I guess they also saw like some potential in letting me write and direct things mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then working with the, some of the other senior camera people, like people who, uh, I guess working with the, the senior producers mm-hmm. um, for like studio sets and on-location shooting, like getting a lot of that experience was super valuable, in my opinion. Right on. When did you figure out that you love San Francisco?
1: Right. I feel like for a lot of natives, native San Franciscans, it's, um, it's not, it's not given. It's, you know, it's, you're just, you just are a native San Franciscan. Yeah, like, I,
0: I, no, I think you're absolutely right. And I think, I think the moment I realized that I really love the city was in 2019. Okay. And this, w- this was after I had, I had left Gamespot and left CBS, um, and I was working for like big tech company. Okay. <laughs> um, because you know they offered me a position to do some video editing, mm-hmm. which eventually turned into a position that did not involve video editing. <laughs> um, so I was just kind of like, for for a large portion of that that tenure, I was just kind of unhappy. Mm-hmm. While at the same time browsing Twitter and seeing people who I thought you know I was really close with talk about how much they hated the city Mm -hmm. and you know there's i think there was somebody who said like i think they just laughed at the idea of san francisco having culture okay and and that really like bothered me yeah and this this was also happening around the same time as a lot of news articles were coming out from major publications kind of dunking on the city Mm -hmm. um, because of like the woes of of like the tech economy mm-hmm. and I think there was a lot wa- like I always point to a Washington Post article mm-hmm. that was that was um, Written I think back in March of 2019 mm-hmm. Called why San Francisco is breaking America's heart. Mm-hmm. And and that was like the catalyst in my opinion of me wanting to show everyone or as many people as I can reach that This is not the case like there is way more to the city than what you what you see downtown um, What people will tell you? you know on the like what the new york times will tell you what the washington post will tell you and i wanted people to know that and it was it to me it felt like the perfect time just because i was in this position in this uh career position where i was not happy and i needed to make something and this was that was it like i kind of just put two and two together i'm like okay that makes perfect sense let me go off on my own i'll you know figure it out I'll do some freelance but I really want to show these people what the city means to me. And so you
1: already had the medium and now you have the message. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's like a natural
1: fit. And so um I guess I do have a couple of questions. Uh mm-hmm. like were you already aware of or seeing other people or groups that were also like in defense of San Francisco and and um where Like besides Instagram, like, did you have YouTube? Like what, what was your kind of, uh, what was your like attack or your, your plan?
0: I don't know if I had a plan. Okay. And like, I will say that I don't, I did I think while I was brainstorming this whole idea, I don't think there was a whole lot of, of defense coming to the Hmm. city. I knew that there were a lot of people who, you know, kind of just dogpiled on on the message but mm-hmm. there weren't a whole lot of people saying no this is this is great mm-hmm. and I, I just wanted to you know send that message set up that message on my own mm-hmm. i think my first idea that i came up with was okay tell my story mm-hmm. tell people why you know living here specifically was was special for me mm-hmm. Um, and the way I tried to do that, um, which wasn't successful, but still helped out in the long run, um, was filming something in Chinatown. Okay. And, um, like I'll, I'll kind of keep this brief since I know that it's pretty dense. Um, but to go back to my dad, mm-hmm. he is a very prominent figure in Chinatown. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he was, I think in his forties, he joined our family association, mm-hmm. Which is, if you don't know about like Chinese benevolent societies, mm-hmm. they're like these, these buildings that go, date back to the 1800s where men would convene who had the same name mm-hmm. um, for reasons of community and safety, you know, because they were all immigrants and they wanted to be with people who at the very least shared their last name. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these societies kind of evolved into, into more of like these men's clubs where, mm-hmm. you know, they would just go here and talk about like stuff for the community. Um, I, I Honestly, there's a lot that I don't know about. But right. what I do know is that my dad was heavily involved in these. Um, you know, we would go to Chinatown a couple times a month and like attend these banquets for who knows what. Um, was it the Yi-, Yi Association? The Yi Association. Okay. And I always thought it was... Incredibly fascinating what he did Mm -hmm. because I didn't actually know what it was that he went down to Chinatown every single week for right But I knew that it was for the benefit of the community in some way Okay, and I wanted to to tell the story. I wanted to like I wanted to make something and connect it to my greater being of so in some way Mm -hmm. uh, While also investigating what exactly goes on down here, right? so it was um 20, september 2019 was the autumn moon festival mm-hmm. in chinatown which is when we went down to film like got me and a couple of, of friends from like a couple of colleagues um we ran about like a four-person crew did an interview with my dad uh shot a whole bunch of b-roll uh, around the festival mm-hmm. and then that footage just kind of sat because i felt like when i got into editing i was like i don't really know exactly what i want to say with this yet um, so I was like kind of disappointed that I spent a lot of energy kind of gathering these people together and putting these ideas into Into motion and not really Knowing what to do with it mm-hmm. So I, I kind of re- I reconvened with myself and said okay, well if there's one thing I do know It's this neighborhood, mm-hmm. uh, you know that I've spent better part of 20 years living in mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, I think this is like a good place for me to start you know just talk about what it's like to simply live here this neighborhood being the richmond the richmond district and specifically the outer richmond because right. you know that's where i've been uh, mm-hmm. all this time mm-hmm. because i know that it's 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 very different from a lot of the city mm-hmm. and i think it's it was important for me to to show people that because i don't think a lot of people understood like what's out what what is basically you know west of like the fillmore district mm-hmm. once you once you get past that people just kind of taper off and like go other places nobody really comes out here to be here right like they're either here for like the beach maybe outside lands and then they go back to the other side of the city they're um, also
1: the biggest neighborhoods in the city right? yeah like the they are, they're huge the like richmond.
0: sunset and richmond are enormous mm-hmm. yeah like micro
1: hoods within mm-hmm. big neighborhoods. Um,
0: yeah, and like I wanted to to show people why like I loved living here and like all the cool things that you can see and do and experience. And I wasn't sure anyone would actually watch it, because it's like okay, if you're gonna make content about San Francisco, like I, I did my research, it's either top ten you know landmarks to visit to 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 visit when you're here, or right. it's like some vlogger talking about spending two days in San Francisco and just hitting the same landmarks. Right. It's like that side, like the Eastern side of the city, I love, but it, I don't know. Sometimes I just want to, you want to be where the people are. And I right. think that's the most valuable way to, ex- or I think that's the best way to experience the city if, you, if you're if you not from here.
1: Last question, Uncle
0: Fuzz. Right. Um, so yes, my handle uh, in pretty much every social media outlet is uncle fuzz with one z um a lot of people ask me that and it it's pretty simple but at the same time it kind of points to how i think and like what i enjoy the kind of things i enjoy um because it's a reference taken from an old electronic gaming monthly magazine okay (laughs) when uh these two guys who are like game developers Uh, They run a test on somebody or they run a test to basically determine do video games cause violence because Mm -hmm. in the late 90s that was like a huge thing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Some are still arguing some are still arguing that but I think the the jury's on that it's no right pretty sure Um, But you know, it was it was topical at the time. So they sat someone down with like the super They sat one of the kids down with the super violent game You know blood gore whatever really fun game Um, but you know violent and then the other kid got to to play an edutainment game called Uncle Uncle Fuzzy Winkle's Garden of Enchanted Delight in in which he's like I'm playing what and he goes insane and nuts and starts destroying everything Um, so they conclude that yes video games do cause violence so that's it you're like Uncle Fuzz (laughs) there you go And and I've had I've had that email moniker like handle since i think 2000 i think that was when i adopted it and it's just stuck ever since
1: that was joey yee on the next episode of storied san francisco get to know mutiny radio's pam benjamin episode 15 drops next tuesday Music for the podcast was produced, performed, and curated by Otis McDonald. Original photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. Aaron Lim of Bitch Talk Podcast is our contributing producer. And the show is produced and hosted by me, Jeff Hunt. Now, in our fourth season, we have more than 150 episodes available on our website, storytSF.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you can, Subscribe, rate, and review our show so we can reach even more folks. And if you'd like to drop us an old-fashioned email, we'd love that. The address is storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, stay strong, stay healthy, and we'll see you next time.